Okay, I gotta do the intro again, which I forgot to do for the. Um, okay. You tell me when you're ready. Chapstick. Well, here, while you're doing that, just don't move the mic. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome back our guest who is a comic writer, producer, podcaster, filmmaker, comic book author, and record label owner, therefore very tired person, Kyle Clark. Kyle was with us last week and got a longer intro there, and he is amazing, and I know him from the comedy world. And so we only got through some of the entrees portion of the podcast. And so if you didn't get to listen to last week, you missed out. So here we are back for week two with Kyle. And um, Kyle was in the middle of telling us, so his sort of customer service history wraps a lot around being a teacher. And so Kyle... Kyle, uh, could you explain to us where we left the yes. story off last week? Previously on Kyle. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I, I uh, gradu- or graduated college, but was in a grad program that dumped me out into the world in the height of the recession. I was looking for jobs. I got two jobs. The one I'm kind of focusing on for these shows is I worked at a private school. Uh, I've specialized in working with middle school kids. Uh, and when we last left off at the end of my first year working at that school where I had a really great relationship with my students and really kind of was enjoying what I was doing, but was also a very lost soul creatively. Uh, I, my mom and her friend who are both uh, deep in the education world had pitched out to me to go get a teaching credential as sort of a safety net for for future job you know stuff. If nothing else, if I don't figure out anything else. I agree to it. I apply kind of flippantly to UCLA's program that's a 13-month master's and credential program, and I get in, and I am assigned to uh, teach uh, high school for, uh, I think it was three months, and then middle school for three months in a uh, in South Central Schools because they're all the ones based uh, that work with UCLA. And so it was actually, my ma- master is in English secondary education with an emphasis in urban education because a bunch of what I worked with was specializing in urban education environments for like ESL students or like, you know, different kind of situations like that and stuff. And I think, oh, sorry. So for people not in Southern California, I feel like that there's a lot of misconceptions about South Central, but there's also some things that are true as far as demographics go. It is a largely uh, person of color area, although that is not 100% the case. There are a lot of housing projects in that part of the city, um, as well as massive homes and beautiful, like I really actually like South Central. The sort of early 90s, mid 90s rap songs about South Central. Mm, yeah, like Tupac rapped it, I guess a little whatever. Go ahead. What, it's, what? it's yeah. And it's it is an interesting place because it has changed a lot over time. Yes, it's very and different it's even now. different place from when I was there 10 yeah. years ago. And and it was interesting to be a suburban honky just wandering, being thrown <laughs> into the situation suburban because like my um, my approach to life is uh, uh, is to not be the expert in the situation. And I find that often that very much helps me out because uh, I, I am not the one who's like, all right, guys, everybody's got to listen to me. You know, I worked at 
Jefferson, the first school I worked at. And that was of the two was the crazier one for a couple of weird reasons. Uh, So also, by the time I'm in grad school, I am just starting to go hard on comedy. You know, I talked in the last episode about my weird schedule for this time period. But within this run, I, I am, you know, taking these classes. I actually I am dating somebody in the program at a certain point. So I have all this kind of stuff going at Jefferson, Jefferson was fascinating because a few years before I had gone to work there, they had had a riot. And as a result, they had fully changed the way the school was set up into this experimental format where it was four smaller high schools, each one that had a different emphasis. There was business, education, science, and the arts. How does that work? Um, Are they basically magnet it's, programs? It's like, yeah, it's like four magnet schools inside uh. of a large school. And the school was also beautiful. It was built in the fucking 20s. You know, it it was that was one of the highlights of getting to work there was getting to work in this vintage school that is, you know, fairly well kept because it's still an active school and stuff like that. It was that was one of the highlights was just getting to work in that space because it was such a neat, you know, I'm a real dork for history and stuff like that. And so I worked in the art school. I worked my master teacher for that one was the theater teacher for the school, which was worked out because they knew I was an artsy boy and that beyond uh, education, I was also a big fan of theater, you know, and it's some of it comes from my filmmaking, but some of it also comes from doing theater back in the day. Again, if it involves a stage, I would just like to be standing near it. And so it was cool to get that. But what was ended up being kind of a nightmare was she taught two freshman English classes but beyond that, taught two theater classes and an ESL class. So it was basically five different classes over the course of a day because, you know, you have five classes in an off period. And so what I didn't even realize when I started working with that run is that almost every other person that I was going to school with in the program only had to write one lesson plan, you know, for the week. Because the lesson plan of like what the kids are going to do for the class, if they're just teaching English or just teaching U.S. history or just teaching Algebra 2, they get to teach the same Algebra 2 lesson to five classes a week for the week. I, those classes I was in charge of were uh, like I, I worked with the ESL class, the you know, and I guess I worked with all of them. Like I did. So I basically essentially wrote four lesson plans a week instead of one. And so had and did those. And so that was the thing that I didn't even know was extra hard when I was doing it because it was just like, well, this is what I got. But I enjoyed it because, I mean, you've listed, they listed all the stuff I do. Like, I like to do a lot of stuff. It's because when you hate one thing, you can turn and go do the other thing. Sure. And so it was it was fun to a certain extent because, like, I got to teach English, which was cool and, and was a real like I got to kind of learn you know, one of the things that I really appreciated from getting that education is I learned educational psychology. I learned how to explain things to different types of learners and different ways people approach all stuff that I've used in writing and in comedy and in stuff like that since then. I feel like most people could afford to learn how educational psychology operates. They'd be better at communicating with other people. And so that was great. The ESL thing was kind of a revelation because it's a thing I, I've been around because of my mom. So I have in my pocket some understanding of it. And my master teacher was really great with kind of doing it. And so it was this weird thing that really pushed me to learn about, you know, the problem areas within this and then have to use the skills I have. It, you know, it was so much more problem solving than just going like, we're going to talk about this chapter of Of Mice and Men. And then on top of that, <laughs> I'm running fucking theater classes and we have like a production going. We have all these different angles on stuff. And so like what was even better is like I was there through, you know, I was basically there the first semester 
And I got to then, because of all of this, they did their big winter production for the whole school and stuff like that. And because I knew how to run sound, I became the tech for the show. So it was like me and two of the students like learned how to run the light board and the sound. And so like I'm and this is not the last time this will come up too. like I, I, be, I became an adopted theater teacher over time as well. So we're doing this. And that was so much like that's probably one of the most fun days of my life was just doing five shows or whatever it was in that day because they did a couple of them to get all the school through like running the tech helping the kids getting you know moving the props you know doing all the things like that being a part of a high school play but i'm just some asshole with a tucked in collared shirt okay uh, wait, uh, wait wait wait, we have to go back okay because so i looked up the actual definition of educational psychology because this is not something that i would have known the full definition is educational psychology is the branch of psychology concerned with the scientific study of human learning the study of learning processes from both cognitive and behavioral perspective allows perspectives allows researchers to understand individual differences in intelligence cognitive development affect motivation, self-regulation and self-concept as well as their role in learning. Yeah. You had to study that yeah. or you just That's why didn't. I have the master's degree. But that isn't necessarily something that teachers have to study. It they just should. they should. Um I think when you go for a master's is different than just a credential. Like sure. an undergrad and a credential is probably a little different. I also think a lot of people study it and don't think about it at a certain point. Okay. Like I think that I I'm obsessed with psychology. Like same. I am a big fan, big believer in therapy, big believer same, in same. this stuff. And it's it's uh, the human brain. Uh, I you know I I am bipolar. You know I have a you know a lot of a lot of mental issues. So I've really come to appreciate anything that can shed light on stuff is great. But part of it is like I was treated like I was stupid for most of my education because I because really I learn differently. Uh. And you know I think really critically on stuff like i'm not a real like give me the facts i'm like a why is it this way oh i'm that way too and and that's that's why i mean it's part of why i like why i got into comedy is like i un, if i'm making fun of something it's because i am understanding it so so much of my learning involves me busting jokes on whatever i'm learning because it means i can critically think of it in a way outside of the text itself so you so when you studied that though and you said that it like informed how yeah. you were teaching what how so anybody can learn learn like and that is you know the the laziness of the american education system and i'm not blaming teachers they're the heroes and they should be paid a million dollars a year agreed agreed uh they you know it, it's easy to fall into whatever makes sense to you and Ooh. trying to teach people the way you understand things well, that's really, that's... and i think it's also like you know and it, and it even plays into like what you teach and how you teach it and all those kinds of things and not in a good or a bad way i mean sure some people teach it in a shitty way or have bad takes on stuff but a lot of the times it's people's by don't even understand their own biases yeah and in educational psychology you have to not think about how you learn you have to look at how what they are struggling in and try to understand where it is that they're not getting it and how to communicate to them in a clear way how to do it mm. and you know for me a lot of it was humor you know when i was teaching parts of speech you know to to you know people one of the things i would do is like the sentences i would use were insane so it would be like when i was teaching like possessive you know nouns so it was like steve's blank and it would be like karen's flamethrower <laughs> 
or like you Mad know, Libs for education. Yeah, like like yeah, just like like Martin's two-headed dog Cerberus. Like like just was it was in because like what you could say bike or cup, but it's so much funnier and like holds easier to remember. Attention. Yeah, yeah, because all of a sudden I'm breaking your expectations sure. because you're no longer hearing a white noise word. You're hearing a word that you don't normally hear. So your brain's like, wait a minute, he said flamethrower. What is happening? Well, it interrupts cognition. There's yeah, exactly. actual study behind that. And and I'm I'm a big believer in it. And yeah. so you know and getting to it from all those different points of view was a really great tool. And mm-hmm. then it was great because then I went to middle school for my second half uh, and had a, a just a straight run English classes. And that it felt so easy comparatively because mm. now and it was funny because I taught the same book twice unintentionally because they just sort of hand you what book you're going to do. So I taught what's well, fun too. So I hate this book. We taught Of Mice and Men twice. Ooh, and I, I love John book. Steinbeck. Yeah, like, I, I think too. Great's Breath is great. At the, you know, he's done so much good work. Uh, that book is terrible. It's pointless. <laughs> the, again, I'm a giant person. So the fact that there was a book where the full function is like, big people should be killed because they're too dumb to live is the message of that book. If you remember, there's no socialist agenda in it. There's no politics about what America is doing to itself. There's no the brutality of humanity to itself via capitalism. It's just, yeah, your big friend's dumb. You should kill him before he kills some nice lady. That's Steinbeck's revenge like, porn. So he like got literally by of. the second time, I literally at the end of the run, I've done, I did this twice for two different books that I've taught where I have at the end of the run pointed out to the kids that I think what we have just studied is a bad book. <laughs> Like, I, as a tall person, I did it for Of Mice and Men and The Miracle Worker. I think both are bad. You don't like Miracle Worker? Miracle Worker, my deal is this I hate the Annie's little brother subplot. Oh, I don't remember that. Where every time she feels like she wants to give up, she has the flashes of his her dead brother going, Annie, Annie, help me. Oh, and God, I'm just I like, what was this that. kid's good thing in life? Because as far as I can tell, all he did was beg for help and, and do then nothing. die. Like, like, <laughs> so I believe I believe in that one. I, I was like, the brother character is a terrible character in an okay play, and I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> And that just like broke their brain. But so I, I taught those two. But Clinton was interesting because it was a different one. So I was back to middle schoolers. It was also weird because I felt kind of like I'd come home. Because mm, uh, you knew how to do that. Yeah. And the high school is a different animal. And I have some friends who are teachers who are, are really good with high school. I have some friends who are really good with elementary school students. They're very much three different skills. Yeah, they are. And I fucking hate a high school senior. Really? Because they know everything. Of course. And they have no interest in you and anything that you've experienced in life because they are the beginning and ending of all time. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and we've all been there. Yeah. Oh, I was a fucking monster. Yeah, me too. And so, but so I'm just like, I can't deal with you. Like, you're not fun at all. And so, yeah. like, I caught kind of out freshmen. Uh, and and so going back to them, what was funny? Oh, so you had something. Yeah. Well, from uh, well, you finish that, and I'll remember what I was. Oh, gonna this say. is just leading to a story. For me. Oh, okay. From the demographic perspective, though, also, like, did you were you teaching mostly like students of color, or uh, what Latinx were you? Was was that was your main? Of it. Yeah. Okay. That so was almost exclusively. How culturally, as a teacher, how do you approach that? Because you have a very well, different background. Here's a very interesting thing that I learned with it is most of my students uh, don't read or speak properly in either language. Oh, that's rough. So. They they speak a, a real Spanglish. Like El Caro was the one that always stuck to me, and I was like, Ooh. "You mean Coche?" And they're like, "Nah, I know what it is. It's Caro." And I was like, "Tough but fair." Also, that just means expensive. And, but and okay. so, like, I you know, I have some Spanish. You know, sure. I I can read Spanish a lot better than anything, and but I can listen. I I I like to speak it. I get self conscious because I talk like this. Sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so it was was an interesting run with all that. But it was also very much a thing, like because that's kind of a factor. Yeah. You know, it's a give and take because I can also understand some 
grammar conjugation there, but it's really me having to go back to like, what what happened in fucking 11th grade when I was studying Spanish three. Um, but because of that, like it really was the thing you have more of a blank slate than you think you're going to have. And then a lot of it was like the cultural stuff, which was largely just like, I got lucky that a, I am a pretty affable guy and I don't walk into a lot of places with the authority of like, I am in charge here and everyone will do what I say when we're, when I'm teaching, I do, but the rest of the time, like I am not going to be the big white guy condescending to you guys and whatever your deal is. Like I have a lot of questions. I want to know. I want to, I, because the writer in me is like, what are your five favorite bands? Where do you go for fun? What do you listen to? Like, what do you hate? Mm -hmm. Like, like what, you know, what do you think is like annoying? What do you watch on TV? And like, I, I mean, culturally, I just think it's interesting to talk to people, you know, who live a different life than you. And because we, you know, when I go to a small town on tour, my, the first question I always ask myself in any town is like, what's it like to be in high school here? Like, mm-hmm. how do you fuck shit up in this town? You know, because that's, I just, I lived in the suburbs and I know like the weird shit we got into. And I feel like in Kansas or South Central, there's wherever the big rock you smoke cigarettes at is somewhere here. Yeah, it's nuanced, but and, it's similar. And so I would use a lot of that as, because I have a pretty wide pop culture reference point of stuff, the better I know them and what is relevant to them, not even that I'm going to go like, Mr. Minecraft wants to do math, but more like <laughs> I can fit my tone mm. to match a little closer something they're going to respond to. Uh. And that's again, a huge tool in standup, yeah. you know, and not to pander, but to, again, it's all about the, at the end of the game, all that matters is, can you convey this information in mm. a way that as many of them as possible can understand and retain and then think about. And so I did a lot of time, like trying to find ways to do that stuff that were engaging with them on stuff, you know, using the, the funny terminology and stuff like that, or being critical in the stuff without having to go full tilt academic language mm. or use colloquialisms to help explain the purpose of a given academic term, you know? And again, when they, you know, they'd ask like, well, why would you say it that way? I'm like, cause fancy. It's, you know, it's combing your hair and putting on a nice shirt. Like it's, are you, do you want to do it all the time? Fuck no. But you do it sometimes to like impress the honeys. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in the, this case, I am the honeys grading. your paper. I get it. I get it. Okay. And so, uh, but so it was that kind of stuff. And then the, the most fun was like the weird, like, you know, at the high school getting to the play, the middle school version of that is again, one of those things I will think about for the rest of my goddamn life. And it was, I got to go with a full on a middle school field trip to the Renaissance Pleasure Fair in Irwindale. No. And so I got to get on a bus with like 300 <laughs> South Central middle school youths and descend upon, because during the week, the Pleasure Fair will do school ones where they just pull out all the beer and titties. Uh. And so you go through. And so, you know, I'm a chaperone. So I got assigned six kids, you know. And so I think all, most of them were my students, but not all of them were. But like, and they were like, no, they all were because it was from the class. And so these six kids and I are just bombing around this thing. And so I was like, what do you guys want to do? And like, they've got a list of stuff they want to go see. But also like, they don't fully give a shit because like, I don't think they fully un- like knew what, what the it fuck was. Renaissance fair. Yeah. Thing. Like, you know, and so we were walking around and we're checking stuff out and they're asking me questions and I know a little bit about it so I can say stuff. But also there's a bunch of times where I'm like, I don't know, but it looks dumb, huh? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and then the best was eventually it got to this thing where one of the kids loved running up to people at the stalls, you know, for food or for like supplies and stuff like that or for the, the events 
and would just run up and go, do you sell ponchos? <laughs> and then all the kids would explode in laughter and That's run funny. away. That's yeah, really funny. And so what did we do the rest of the day? We just we hit just... every stall there with, do you have ponchos? And because they kind of keep looking at me like, is he going to let us do this again? I'm like, I am also laughing. I am like, on board for this. There's no educational value in this trip. We're having a good time. I'm thrilled to not be in school. I imagine you are. <laughs> and so like that, that was such a fun day because it was like, it, it's fun. It's fun to be good cop in those yeah, situations. It but it's also like, you know, those kids then are like, hey, this guy's all right. I might listen. Actually in the high school, there was a kid in the ESL class who was like known as a nightmare, a real, like real, like just disrupt stuff to just pure anarchy kid. Somewhere, oh, but he also like sold shit because all these kids have a hustle. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that they traded in was like weird bootleg candy stuff. And one of them that was a specialty there that a bunch of people sold for $2, you could get a Ziploc bag that was full of a bunch of gummy worms that were rolled in chili powder and Kool-Aid. That sounds amazing. And then you tear open the bottom corner of the bag and you slurp them out through the hole. And I'd watch a ton of people like be doing this. And then like, and I'm a candy freak. Me so too. eventually I turned, I saw one of the kids, that, that kid's like selling them. And I was like, you got you know, more of that. I, I, was, I, was like, I was like, so what is this thing? And he explains it. And I was, I was like, shit, I got two bucks. And I hand him two bucks. And, uh, and he hands it to me. And then like the next day I come back, Dude, that was delicious. Yeah, I want some more of that good, good. And, and, and so he became my supplier. <laughs> and so we had a system going. But on top, but but also because of that and because I was kind of like funny and flippant, because I think a lot of teachers, I think what I was doing was illegal. Uh, but I think a lot of teachers would be like, don't sell that or you can't encourage uh, and stuff. Like that. Instead, I'm become a client. Yeah. What became great <laughs> is like. I never had a problem with him. Mm. That dude was my fucking buddy. He yelled at other kids that fucked with me. Wow. Like I had a fucking guy. And that became the fun thing was that it was using my old middle school things of like treat people like people. And especially yeah. like if a kid's fucking bad, it's like, well, you probably think something here is dumb. Let me know because I might not disagree and be able to sort of like try to make a point this way or mm -hmm. whatever. But like that was the most fun thing is like all of a sudden this guy that like, Every, like they literally warned me like oh you've got this kid he's a nightmare like you are going to spend most of your time disciplining, disciplining this him. kid instead of helping the kids and again he was a real nightmare for about a week candy exchange happens he is my closest ally for wow. one hour a day Wow! and so there was like those great little runs like that so then I graduate and oh so I stopped working at the school as an aide but right so, wait so so real quick so okay. this is this whole time you're still at sc getting your master's yes, this is me at sc is working that stuff and are you getting like internship hours for this or are you getting paid no uh neither Ooh. um i'm just like working it um because it's uh you have to then film all the stuff and then that all becomes your master's thesis is footage of your thing and analysis oh. of your performance and stuff like that it ultimately becomes your master's thesis that was the hardest thing i've ever done i have such a distinct memory of, like finishing my like it's, it had a different name, but I just call it master's thesis because it's a sexy term. Yeah, it is. Uh, like I finished my final project for grad school, this like hundreds of hours long project. And I just remember like hitting save and sending it. And I had the whole setup plan that literally the moment I finished, I hit play and Young Americans from David Bowie plays and I just dance because I'm done with this goddamn thing. I'm like, what's the most joyful song I could think of? Wow. And so, but during this whole time, I, besides stand up, also have a side hustle because as I was leaving the school to go to grad school, they're like, like, look, you've been a great person for us. Like, what would you say to staying on 
one of the teachers that works with you and has been here forever and is one of our big ticket people. Is retiring. She has, no, she has been pushing for this school to have a drama program for years. Would you be willing to stay on as our drama teacher? So I was not just doing those, but I was also doing, it was an after school program, but I was the theater teacher for that old, the for the private school. So I was still going back on Fridays. The one day I had off from grad school, I would go and teach drama in the afternoon there. And then each, the two years I did that, there was a spring production. And so I'm working those things. Well, I'm teaching theater at this thing and teaching theater turned out to be something that I truly love. And it's so much fun. And it's, it's cause I like directing. Like mm-hmm. I just like being in charge, but also like exploring emotions with somebody so that they sure. can accomplish things that they didn't think they could. I'm sure. a real softy for empowering people, but not in a cool way where I should be celebrated. It's how we're supposed to be as humans. Agreed. So the fun of that though, is that like, again, I'm a monster, and I, you know, I've always, I was always, as much as I love my coworkers and stuff like that, and they were um, just an army of great people for the most part, I am, was loyal to my students above everybody at all times. Like, I would take my kids over staff. It was, it was never a problem, but it was definitely something where they just, they, there was a bit of a, like, we can't ask you because you're going to take their side. <laughs> Uh, you know, they're, you're 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 the fucking traitor to adults everywhere. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Pete and Pete forever. Um, but uh, one of the games that we were playing with it because it was all, I literally would do comedy bang bang games. I would do like what am I thinking and psychic head and all those like weird improv games UCB and comedy bang bang would do. I would just do those with kids. And my class was second grade to eighth grade, so I was teaching second graders to eighth graders how to act and do improv and all these things. Um, and so. One of the games that we had that I had found in one of my like theater teacher books, because uh, I love reading a book and love getting ideas, uh, was called Sound Orchestra. Oh. And Sound Orchestra was you get the kids into four groups and you give each of them a terrible noise. And when you point at them, they make that noise. I'm a little hard of hearing from my years playing rock music and stuff like that. It's like I joke about it, but it's also like, man, being old is going to be fun. Uh, but <laughs> so I hear stuff a little bit quieter than the rest of the things and so i'm in after school program and so we're out in this area where our class is happening and i set them up and what's great is like i'll just uh, i listen to the locust and terrible noise music so this is fun for me yeah so i'm playing and we would do this for long periods of time where it would just be Chaos. various sounds of children screaming God. <laughs> at high volume and then just under that the sound of me just cackling like a monster <laughs> but at the end of the year, we set up to do these musicals. And I've never, I'm not a big musical guy. I have much more appreciation after doing those. But like, so the first year, we do Susical. It's, it's, they're not picked by me, they're picked by somebody. But so it's Susical Junior. So both of our shows I did, so they cut them down. So they're like an hour long. And so for Susical Junior, I've got the soundtrack, I've got the things. But it's basically, you know, I have this woman who created the program and, uh, the parents who signed their kids up who are all into this thing. Well, it's a private school, you have to remember. So my program is insanely funded. You know, the, and and the, I work cheap. All the improv stuff was ostensibly free. But, you know, they all paid to be in it and they're all doing So the amount of money I had for these two musicals is based on the two experiences I have that was such a different thing. So Susical... I laugh. There are chunks of that play that I still am like, is that some of the highlights of my creative execution as an artist? There's a piece where they do It's Possible, which is just a real goofy song that a kid sings, but you go underwater. And I had like the outdoor amphitheater turned into going underwater by having like kids with colored streamers and fish come from the back like you were being splashed in. And I'm this like 
24-year-old idiot Genius, who's pacing though. in the back like I'm goddamn William Friedkin. And I'm just like, get it. <laughs> like, like, yes, yes, it's working. Like, kind of stuff. And and so that was great. And that, and that one was a really fun experience. And I was really proud of it. I go back to do the second one. But so by that point, I have finished grad school. I go back to the school. I took a pay cut. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Kyle. Uh, again, I, I am uh, uh, not good at asserting myself, so I went back. But I was also teaching theater still, so it was sort of evening out. Okay. But like that run was weirder than the first run. But I also I came back. I worked the summer camp, and that was a whole other fun experience was working summer camp because truly one of the great moments of me being a monster, I somehow was able to weasel into being the head because you had like four jobs over the course of the day, like stations you'd run, and mm-hmm. the kids could kind of choose – at any even point, like where they wanted to go. And like, I, I accidentally weaseled my way into being all of the good jobs. I had accidentally video games, outdoor activity and I, Oh, and theater. And so it was like, either we were either doing improv games. I was, kids were playing video games. I was sitting in the air conditioning. Uh, the outdoor activities was once a week. They would rent like a, one of those big water slides or a rock wall or like shit like that. And so I would be in charge. So 90% of the time it was me just with a giant slip and slide or water slide. And I was like, who wants to party with fun guy? <laughs> uh, and so I had all those. And finally, because I was working at that camp, they finally gave me a name. So I became Grizzly. Ah. But what's even funnier is my, I was working more with little kids at that camp. And so I became Grizzly. Because so they turned Aww. it into a three-cylinder. So they'd always be like, Grizzly, can you help me? That's adorable. Uh, and so I you know, do this summer run. Now I'm Grizzly. I come back. Now I'm we're back with... The, it's funny. A bunch of my kids who were the younger kids when I that I ran for lunch were now some of my middle school kids, which is a real head trip. But I'm also running this. And so the second show we do is Guys and Dolls Jr. No. And after was a big hit, now like... The best way I can think to describe my experience on it is like I got to make a Marvel movie. Oh, my God. In that I had an infinite budget, but I now have multiple quote unquote producers on the show, which are parents who have paid enough money that I really have to listen to everybody's ideas. Oh, God. As a result, like it was one of the most like nerve wracking, frustrating, wild things, because, again, like it's, I think it's why, like, part of me, like, when I see, like, bi- when I hear people talk about it, where they're like, I want to make Jurassic Park or something, like, friends of ours who, like, want to make movies. And I'm just like, I don't know if you understand how shitty that process is. Like, yeah. because, like, our show, it had, like, effects and costumings and all these things that were, the show looked great. It was ultimately ended up being very, very good. I think Student School was a little bit better, but, like, but overall, it, it turned out great. But the process to get there was truly, like, you know, getting notes, having to say yes to things, fully producing part of it, and then somebody having a great idea. Now that goes, and now we have to go and do another thing. But at the same time, they're going, like, it doesn't matter. We'll just throw money at it. And I'm just like, yes, but also like my brain told, I have to do a whole replot out this chunk and figure out these things. But like they were so excited about it that it's hard for you to like be mad but at the same time like it's getting away from you so far that like it's such a weird thing but so that was a whole crazy run where I, like I, I i had forgotten all about it and then recently i found uh, one of the playbills from it and was like oh my god i forgot when i made my marvel movie that's amazing wait so go back so what was the budget then for for the suicide i don't know musical? if i ever knew the numbers I don't oh know you were they... just told keep going keep going yes 
the producer lady, she was in charge of the purse strings and stuff, taking care of all that. I was just, I was just on just the the floor directing through like, like it was, yeah, I was not our touring it. I was truly a gun for hire director on a large production. That's insane. I mean, on the flip side, like by the time I get to meltdown, like I directed the pilot of nerd turns, the show I did two seasons of for YouTube. And it was literally the, like, does anybody working on this have, directing experience and i was like i've done like five short films and i've produced two children's theater productions like cool guess you're directing the pilot and all of a sudden it's me directing all these like weird famous comedians and i'm just like i am a 24 year old dipshit how did i get here (laughs) like i just fell into this and it's weird because now directing is like not a part of my life at all like filmmaking has probably fallen off notes because it's expensive and hard yeah and so like i'd like to get back to it one day but it's been very interesting that like that was i didn't realize how much of it i was doing back then and then just sort of like Post Channel 101, I guess, kind of just stopped doing it. Just kind of got got burnt a little bit and was like, telling jokes is fun and there's less gear. Yeah, I mean, and that's accurate. And it's less of a, I mean, ironically, less of a head trip. Okay, so I have to get to our regular questions yep, a little bit. Your stories are amazing. But real quick, before we jump into the regular questions, did you ever have a favorite kid? And do teachers oh, have favorite kids? thousand percent. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Every, I thought so. At every spot I've ever worked. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, like, you know, a couple of the ones I've stayed in contact, they were absolutely favorite kids. Why? What, what made them your favorites? They were either funny or like a good kid. Okay. Sometimes there's kids, you know, I had a couple of kids where it's like, they're just, they're a good kid, especially in worlds where you have real rich parents and you're living with a real affluent thing. I had some kids who like, they're not unhappy, but like you look at kind of their life and they don't fully, I think kind of see how much they're alone and kind of that kind of stuff. And, and so there was a couple ones like that. There was this one girl who just like her folks, she was, got dropped off at 6 a.m. and her parents picked her up at like 6.30. Uh, and like, I don't know what they did. I'm sure they worked very hard. They both drove black BMWs. Uh, but like, she was the coolest fucking kid. Aww. She was so funny. I can't say her name, but like, my God, like what a, and and I knew her from, I think she was from second grade to fifth grade or something like that. And she just got funnier and cooler. And I'm just like, you know, I hope as you keep going, you just stay as, as smart and as cool and as sharp as you are. Cause like mm-hmm. you're, you're working with a lot more tools than the rest of these kids. And that was usually a lot of them were either weirdos that the world that this world didn't get, you know, cause it was, you know, it was a conservative money obsessed thing, man. I'll never forget the lady telling me what a waste of time it was to buy a dog from the pound because you only get good animals from breeders. Jesus. Okay. So you, but you definitely had favorites. Oh, absolutely. Would other teachers admit to having favorites? So, so would you, so you stayed in touch with some of them. Okay. Now back to my, so of all of your jobs, it sounds like, cause like why step away from teaching just cause comedy kept calling. Um, ultimately. Oh, I saw, it's the end of that school year where I did that second play and we're going into going into summer camp there. And I was like, Hey, would love to keep working here. Would love to do the camp. I need these two weeks off because I'm going to a wedding in Virginia or in Washington DC. And then I am going to buy a bus ticket and I'm going to go to New York city and do stand up. You know, I am, I don't know what the sets are going to be, but like I'm so close to for $40, I can go to the Mecca of comedy and just, pay my respects. You know, it's not like I'm not going and doing, you know, you know, the cellar. Yeah. Cellar or or club or or camp house. I don't remember what it is. Log cabin. Oh, oh God. Uh, But whatever it is. And, and, you know, so, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, if you can give me those two weeks, then I will be here all summer. And they're like, we can't let you have those two weeks. And I was like, then I don't work here. And what's funny, 
I quit. The show that I quit for was Froduce at the Creek in the Cave, a Sunday afternoon show that is often dubbed the worst show in New York. Are but I got joking? to meet Mike Lawrence, so it was worth it. I guess so. Uh, Mike Lawrence got to point out that my dad looks like Ernest Hemingway. And You're I was like, like well, you. observe, Mike. <laughs> also, RIP Creek in the Cave in New York, yep. although they're in Austin now, so good for them. Okay, yeah. so of the jobs... Including, you can include stand up. Well, no, don't, because oh, we all know. What, what, yeah, but basically, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go, you go. I was going to say, I, I fell out from that. Okay. I quit that job. Okay. Just like in 2009, uh, I am broke. There are not a lot of jobs going on. That That's probably the most financially dark my working years has ever gotten was that summer. Was okay. just I was just watching things widow and going and trying to find things or taking odd jobs. And then. August. The one thing that I'm working at this point is like I'm getting paid by Meltdown doing my tech jobs and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, bare minimuming. And then I get a call, you know, I, I have a voicemail from Chris Hardway. And and because, you know, I'm working at the Meltdown Theater at that point. I joined that summer, like literally two weeks after I graduated from grad school, I started working at Meltdown. I missed the first open mic at Meltdown because it was the day I was graduating. So I was like, I got to get there next week. But and it was him saying, hey, we're looking for an assistant on the podcast. Would you be interested? And that puts me into the next five years, me being I on think. the Nerds podcast. Got it. So it, I literally leave education for a risky stand-up thing that full doesn't really pan out. But it left you open, though. Let me open. And then and that changed my life. Okay. You know, that was that's there is there is a real like pre and post I think of it more as pre and post meltdown sections of my life but then like the jump from I think I was, I'd been at meltdown for about a year and then and then fell into I remember I was afraid to tell people mm. like I kept it a secret for like a while I think even I think I had started and I was still not telling people because wow. it was such a like is this real is this a thing and especially after working in such a different world like sure. going from working with kids to working with celebrities is both similar and different. i was just about to say you mean middle I, school is I the mean, same i'll say this if given my druthers between the two kind of kids all day of course um, celebrities just, are a nightmare because at least when you look at a kid and they're being an asshole they're not oh <laughs> i could have to believe that name god damn it yeah, okay sorry whatever he's there's i a, never say names too so i don't I know don't why care. i'm feeling ballsy all of a sudden i don't care like i, I get but, it i've uh, heard i've heard yeah fuck him uh, but the, the, uh, you know, so, so it's, it really is this like two and a half year chunk that of working in education that like fully shaped who I am and how I kind of deal with people in the world and see a lot of stuff. But also like, you know, it's weird now that like I have worked, you know, I did just the Nerdist podcast for double the length I did for that. And it's yeah. weird that they both kind of carry the same amount of like, marks on my soul for sure. significance in your life okay well which was your favorite of all the jobs you've had uh, I'll just I'll keep these to the pre to the pre-nerdist ones because uh, because otherwise the answer is hidden America with Jonah Ray but that doesn't count why didn't uh, that count it was a sweet TV writing job that's that counts that gets to count as a job TV writing's hard okay but for customer service what was customer the service it would probably be it's tough because like there's three that come to mind and it was either like and all of them weren't the job itself. It was the time periods. It would either be those afternoons with middle school, the kids the first year, because like it was such a pain in the ass and I wanted to kill them sometimes, but like that's really shaped me as a person. Mm. And, or that first year teaching the theater class there or that, that one summer camp year. But the summer camp one was more just like, 
what a fun time. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm, I'm a young comedian who's hanging out, doing comedy all night and during the day, hanging out with a bunch of like cute girls and fun kids. Like, and cli- like, rock climbing walls. Yeah, like and- climbing rock walls and, and, you know, spraying super soakers. Like, and so like, obviously that's a good time. Yeah, sure. But, uh, but you know, I would probably say of all of them, like looking back that of, of the servicey jobs, the, 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 those, that year with though that particular group of kids was such a like you know i still love those kids okay which was your least favorite probably gotta be that guy's dolls run that yeah. thing was yeah. like what a like even more that like bevmo was awful but i was less emotionally invested in bevmo so you also got to drink yeah it didn't dig into my soul quite yeah. the same way okay what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock oh jesus this is great um hmm there's so many answers to this. <laughs> I was once taken in the middle of driving to a job, told to go to stop what I was doing and stop where I was going and immediately go to a costume shop and buy a fake mustache and bowler hat. <laughs> it's pretty weird. That was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> okay. Was there an incident where they ever asked to speak with your manager or the principal or whomever would have been your boss? Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, that bullshitty kid sure was mad. Uh, he was like, "This guy won't sell me booze when I'm underage," and then he ran away. But uh, I'm trying to think, a lot of them were. I would say 99 percent of the the people who fully yelled at me were were the five cent sale Bevmo people. God, like that was that was almost like that was literally you. There would you'd have a line. And you'd have to explain it and then be yelled at by each person as if they are willfully ignoring the altercation that has happened four, four feet seconds from them. from them. Oh, God. Okay. Have you ever told a customer to fuck off? I'm trying to think. I don't think so, but only because I'm a very nervous person. What about a parent? Were you ever just like, I'm going to like not fuck no, off? Because they were like, because they could have me killed. Like they were, they were very rich. So would you just take it on the chin with yeah. parents? So what's the weird or the worst thing a parent ever said to you? Oh God. Um, I mean that one about where they were just ripping on rescue dogs as somebody who's a real like champion for that shit. That was, that's the closest I ever came to snapping at somebody, but they were a particularly unpleasant human. Uh, so it was like, this is, I'm not going to change this woman's mind. Yeah. Uh, and so, oof. Toughest one to take on the chin. There's one I can tell you about off mic that I can't oh. tell you because I do not know what the legal stance of it is. Uh, can you not, hint at it? N- uh, no. Okay. Uh, but no, it's nothing nothing crazy, but just one where like it, it involves people who don't need to, you know, be involved in stuff like that, if that makes sense. It doesn't, but that's okay. okay. We'll talk about it off mic because yeah. I just wrote a note to myself because I want to know. It, uh, it involved like, like uh, celebrity you kids can't or tell people how to raise their kids on some level, ah. but also you are told by other parties to intervene in that way. No, the opposite. Oh, to shut the shut up. Yeah. And just watch how they're being treated. Yes. Oh, that would be uh-huh. uh, impossible. Yes. Yeah, that would suck. Okay. Did you ever watch any celebrities kids? Um, see not see me at the time was not really I no, mean, it, it is more so now I mean, cause but. we had like a lot of the Disney kids like the yeah. dances in my high school I was saying you know that Hillary Duff and shit would be at like events we do but like uh no, I've never really before Nerdist like would uh, celebrities to me were like might as well have been like centaurs. Yeah, like, they sure. were things you hear about and you hear of in legend, but like you don't. But you never see actually them. see in the wild. And then like uh, you know, and then my job became for five years to was wait in a parking lot for a famous person. God. Uh, and so, but as far as that goes, uh, not a ton. The the closest I've seen some people. There are some celebrities we had who are clearly like good parents. The one I always think of is we had Corey Taylor from Slipknot as a guest and I was sort of rolling my eyes going into it I'm like really this like I'm still an asshole who likes indie rock I've grown up since then sure. but he walks in and he is 
legitimately probably one of the friendliest people we've ever interviewed. And then he goes, you guys give me a minute. There's something I got to do. Whips out his phone, makes a call because he looked at his watch. He calls when he is out of the road, out of town on the road. He calls his son every day at three o'clock when he gets home from school and asks him how his day was, what he's got for homework and like what's going on. And they have like a 20 minute conversation where he's, you know, and it's funny because towards the end of it, he's clearly the son is like rambling about Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, But like he's listening and he's engaged and he's following up and following up about stuff clearly from school that they've been working on. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm so wrong. Yeah. You are literally now in my eyes as a person who thinks like good parenting is a skill we should have is like you are the best person I've seen. Like wow. you are a fucking weird rock star in a crazy metal band and have a whole thing. And at the end of the day, you know what you give a fuck about? Your is kid. Taking care of your fucking kid yeah. even when you're on the road. Wow. And that that stuck with me as uh, so I, I again I'm a big fan of kids I am very much looking to have kids one day very much looking forward to it I definitely don't have my imaginary daughters named or anything <laughs> um, but one of the things I really think about is I am obsessed with comedians who have kids because it when I'm when you're younger it seems impossible yeah. like I have to love something besides me and work <laughs> uh, how can I do it <laughs> that's all literally a human body impossibility <laughs> And instead, like, it's been so, so neat to kind of get to, to, you know, see people who make it work and stuff like that, because, like, it is inspiring to me to go like, oh, okay, there are templates that already exist to not be an absentee parent in these ways. And it's hard, but like possible. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's like, oh, okay. Like these people are showing me that like, I don't have to be a bad dad one day. Cause I love touring. Like Mm -hmm. I, it's, I love it and uh, the good, the bad, the all of it. But the idea is always, it's hard on people you love. Sure. And it's hard being away, but the idea of going like, okay, like there are, you don't have to be the sad dad on a payphone, like going, will you wake him up so I can say hello? Like (laughs) it doesn't have to be turn the page every time. Okay, so then if you're willing to spill names, who's who's one of the worst celebrities you had to interact with? Oh, no, I can't do these. Really? Ones. They all have careers and shit still. Dang it. They can all have me killed. I'll tell you 10 of them fucking off mic. Yeah. Um, I've also am starting to a friend was giving me a tough time about this. Like I'm trying to get over some of them. It's uh, I think coming from like punk rock and being kind of an iconoclast and stuff like that it's kind of hard to like i just find rudeness to be a thing that there's no excuse for agreed like totally hey agreed. life's a waking nightmare and there are multinational corporations trying to poison us all to death so we can all become <laughs> wage slaves maybe we should just be a little bit patient with the people around us <laughs> i'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> it's my comic like that's the the joke for my comic has become is like what if we made a nice core Parks and Rec style everybody's friend story set in a nightmare corporate future? <laughs> so life then, or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you won't drop names. Fine. Um, do you think it's scary the amount of power that parents at like a private school? Because you taught both private and public. Did you see a difference in how the parents were engaged and how much power they had and authority in the schools? I would say it's it's more parent to parent than environment. Ooh, what do you mean? Um, I think that there's good and and not attendant parents in both environments. I agree with that um, statement. The oh, I also forgot. I fucking substitute taught in public schools for a year or two after all that as just a side hustle when I was doing stand up. Was that impossible? You were on call. Substitute teaching is a nightmare. I substitute taught at both my old high school and middle school. Oh, I got Kyle! This, I did a long term sub before my eighth grade uh, or my twelfth grade AP English teacher. Kyle, uh, that was weird. Was it soul crushing? Mm. I'd ra- I'd rather teach at any school other than my alma maters. I. Yes, but I was in such a kind of like low place mentally yeah, for a lot of that. Like, fuck that it, it. Like, I don't yeah, care. I was working three on call <laughs> jobs, which is a real fun way thing to date. 
uh, uh, my, my poor partner at that time. Uh, who, like I remember having like she had planned a whole day uh, for a birthday thing, and then I got called into a job last minute on uh, my birthday, and got to like, well, at least I'm working this this last minute gig, but at least it's fucked up my whole day and uh, made my partner mad at me. My only birthday of this year. <laughs> and, oh god. And so, uh, but but yeah. So, but it's it's the yeah the yeah the subbing in public was interesting because it wasn't that different. It was also weird because I did a lot of subbing at the other the middle school on the far side of town that is the exact same layout. So that could thrown me off. I'm like literally they're the same buildings in the same locations. God. Um, I did a lot of special ed work then too, which was oh, interesting. Bless. I bet. Um, I get to, this story's pointless, but it's, I got to throw it out somewhere. Say it. I was working with this lady and she was my, my teacher's aide for this special ed class. And we have our off period. And a lot of times it's, Nothing makes me happier than bullshitting with a woman in her late 40s, early 50s, because it's most of my coworkers for much of my life. Aww. And so me and this later bullshitting, and she has a very specific last name, and her last name is Brofsky. And I am fascinated by it because they're one of the like seminal local punk bands from where I'm from is this band called Brofsky's Revolt. They're like the street punk band of the time. And I'm talking to her and we're saying something. She's like, oh, you grew up out on here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I grew up playing music and stuff. And she's like, oh, my son was friends with a band from out here. And they named the band after him. All day. And I was like, your son is the Brofskis from, Bro-. I think I said to her, I'm like, you're Brofskis Revolt. I love it. And like, literally, I'm like, look, this is going to be very inappropriate. I have to call my younger brother right, right now. now. <laughs> and so she was just totally confused that she was a celebrity in my eyes from that point on. Like and anytime was. I was there, I was like, Brofsky, yeah. I love it. Do you, are you a tipper? Do you tip? God, yes. How much? Uh, what, like a minimum 20. I try to do what I can. But um, you've never been a, in a tipped position before. So why are you such a good tipper? Because fucking working sucks. Oh my God. It's so real. Like, like that's the, the, like if, if, if I'm in a situation where I like can't, if I don't have cash or I don't have a thing, like there's moments where I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah. like I'll give you what I can. But like, uh, but yeah, like, like again, sort of like being polite. Like I also yeah. feel like, like fucking tip this person. They are working and they are stuck. And if you are buying from them, you are in a more free position in that moment in life than they are. And like, Again, I think it just comes from being sad and having a lot and having a lot of abandonment issues and God. being in a lot of toxic uh, relationships with people that I'm always <sighs> just like, if I can do a little bit of a nice thing and it doesn't take a ton of effort, I'm always going to opt to do it because life sucks. Jesus, Kyle, we are very similar humans. Uh, do you ever not tip? No. Never, not ever. Um, I mean, minus not having the cash or whatever. In the yeah, area. yeah. Out, outside of that, but like... What if someone's ab- absolutely rude I'll to you? I'll do a shite tip. You'll like, do like I'll, what I'll, change or yeah, something or, or I'll throw a, a dollar at it or a something, but like, yeah, but I don't feel, but yeah, but it's, it's, I'm trying to, uh, unless somebody was like, I'm trying, I'm, I must've done something like that at some point, but even then I'm still just like the economy's so broken that like okay. I can't yeah. fully contribute to their master plan. Okay. Well, I have to speed this up. So, okay. Have you ever been fired from a customer service job? I mean, technically from the one where Minus I left that the job, one. so it was yeah. just half. Because uh, you kind of left. Okay. That, no. Can you describe, last question in this section, yeah. can you describe the worst customer you've ever had to interact with and or an archetype of who would be the worst minus who we've already heard about? Yeah. Okay, go um, for it. There was, I don't know, like my brain went to a situation more than like a- Go for a, it. Okay, so the, like I think more situationally, the only part of the job, the, the, the brutalist part of the job at the middle school or the school was I was also before after school club I ran the parking lot which meant walking each kid individually to their parents car opening the door for them leaning in and telling the parent to have a nice day shoot me in the face uh, the level so of just, privilege just an army of 
BMWs and Bentleys and Mercedes Ugh. in a row. And then I can I, I, I make a, I used to make a joke about it in my act. I'm like, it's the kind of job where I'm not wearing white gloves, but everybody wishes I was wearing white gloves. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so and and some parents were really cool. Some were not. One lady was a saint because she bought me an umbrella that was big enough for me and the kid because I would Aww. put the umbrella over the kid. You know, when we'd walk on really rainy days. God. Um, okay. And so yeah, so that was that was the worst of anything. It was especially the parents who were like you know, would give me the like, get away homo, like face Jesus. and eyes as I'm standing there trying to help their kid get into the car. Oh, that makes me want to, that makes me want to throw up. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay. What's the nicest thing a customer or like a student or whatever has done for you whilst you were working? Uh, when I was working at the middle school at Clinton on my last day, the students surprised me and we had a class party, but it was uh, kids from middle schoolers from South Central supplying party things. So it was Flaming Hot Cheetos. Aww. Flaming hot munchies and uh, and like cactus cooler that they put it. Cactus cooler is delicious. Oh, it sure Let is. nobody and talk. So, shit and I think about we were all like bonded. We were all the whole class. We had had some conversation within English class about how great cactus cooler is. But oh. so they threw me a little party, and I almost wept in front of a bunch of children. Wow, um, that was that was that. I mean that yeah, that was a bummer because it was just you know I was. I didn't know if I was as close to those kids as I was with the high school kids just because I did all that fucking theater shit with those kids. And then but that moment to happened. To have them like really like want to make a moment of me going away and we'll and miss you. And they paid for nice. it. Yeah, it was, was, that was very, very, very sweet. Like, oh, that's, that's really lovely. Shout out to the makers of Cactus Cooler since so few people actually know what that is. If you actually are still making that, I don't even know if it's oh, still. Sure oh, do. they sure do. Oh, they sure do. Sponsor this podcast immediately. I, God, we'll it's We'll have so some good. on 4th of July oh, or 3rd of July. Hell but, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I always make sure to have a little bit of CZ at party oh god i'm so excited now i have to go okay and what is the best lesson you personally have learned from working in customer service uh that i am not as important as i think i am oh that's so real and like and that comes less from the being dehumanized by retail and more just like by like going like okay like it turns out like there are other people and kids and things like that and like i can't just be sitting around going like i must only think of myself and everything i care about is the only good stuff yeah i remember sitting down with girls one day and just going like all right, fuck it, fine. Explain to me Twilight. And so then I became like I had a I was not a Twilight person. I went Hunger Games way harder. Yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, but but have a pretty heavy work knowledge. It's gone. It's lapsed a little bit now. But like <laughs> I was a bit of a like not Twilight defender, but a like hey, it actually matters. There's, there's an undertone of this that you're kind of demeaning a group of people where this is really important. Oh, I love uh, it. And there's stuff that you liked that was toxic and problematic that you look at differently. <laughs> and what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Uh, be patient and remember that they are a person Hello. and put yourself in their shoes. And would you want you to be talking to you that way? Ooh, would you want you to be talking to you that way is a great, I have not, that's not been shared on this podcast before. Oh, good. Yeah. I really, uh, yeah, that's real. And is there anything else you wish people knew for like to tell, like something that would help as a teacher now that, you know, if someone had just said or done this for you, you would have been a better teacher or you would have had an easier time. Yeah. Remember to still be able to be fun. Mm. It's easy when you're an authority figure to harden yourself up and really become kind of rigid to keep from being frustrated. And I think that it's very easy to forget that you can be fun and kind and and stuff like that while still having authority. Oh, I love that, Kyle. 
Well, Kyle, how can people get in touch with you? What's the name of your new album? When's it coming out? Ooh, Tell okay. us all the things. Uh, I'm at Kyle Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram. I'm, I'm more active on Instagram of the two. Would love to, to hear from you or see you jump on. I have my podcast, This Is Rad and Everything Is Scary. Both are a lot of fun. Uh, they are. One's about horror, one's about all the things. If you go back a couple of summers, as she said on the first one, you can hear Kate pee off the back of a pee boat. Pee off a boat, It folks. is one of my five <laughs> major events in the podcast. Uh, oh, I'm so there's, there's just landmark moments where you're just like, this is history. Um, Kyle when, would actually hold my hands as I peed I did. off the boat. That's, that's, that's the and, real and thing that, that happened. Maybe that's part of it. Is yeah. The, yeah, I helped you pee. We're bonded. <laughs> <laughs> there's the sound clip for the episode. For the whole episode, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, and then uh, I, I have two albums available on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get music. One, the, I have one from 2019 called Absolute okay. Terror. I recorded that at the the Star Bar in Atlanta, which I maintain is the greatest comedy room on That's planet what everyone Earth. Everyone says uh, it is. Uh, I'm very very proud of it. It's got a, a, a lot of bits about my family. Uh, I have uh, some some just some fun stuff on there. I really enjoy it. It's it's a, it's a very fun but very dark album. Okay. Uh, if, if you want to know how many members of my family have been maimed. Uh, you can find Ooh, out there. Wow. And then uh, my other one is called I'm, I'm a, person. a Person. I recorded it at Meltdown back in the day. Uh, I'm actually very proud of it. And you should I, be. I might have some fun. When is this coming out? Uh, I don't exactly All know, right. but we can there, talk about it. I, there may be some fun stuff going on with that record sometime soon. Ooh. So that's, that's a fun thing to, to keep following. But I'm a Person. It's a, That's another one I'm real proud of. Uh, I have a comic book called Tales from an Analog Future, but I don't know how to get it to you yet. We're gonna figure it out though. So look we'll for figure it. Figure thing out. It'll be there. It, but it's it's real touch and go at the moment only because learning how to ship things is difficult but it's a printed actual comic book yes, it's lovely it is, I have a copy of it right of in front of me and and so I would say but yeah those two two albums and the podcast that's kind of the big things these days is okay. is feel free to go support there's a ton of other artists on Radland Records if you search Radland Records they might pop up I'm working on getting better at being searchable you're, you're gonna get there uh, by the time this comes out you'll have sorted that all out yeah and so but yeah so, so check out those two records uh, at Kyle Clark is Rad the, the two shows and and yeah, just come say hello. Come I, say hello I'm to Kyle. Friendlier than I look. I he, keep I keep uh, in the cave, but I'm happy to come out in the cave and talk. But I'm just not going to come out unless somebody asks. Yeah, and he's very good at hugs, and he is a True. very tall person, so you can get a tall person hug. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, please, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the podcast wherever you're listening. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind, and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get us in touch with us here directly at Service from Hell send us your receipts to service from hell podcast at gmail.com we really do love hearing from you all and we are so grateful for every email we receive remember if you can't afford a tip you can't afford to go out so don't be garbage and be good to people it's easier that way kyle clark you were a delight you gave me two weeks thank you so, thank you so much, much. This was, I, man you were the best. the best no we, uh, oh, we tied uh, oh it's because he helped me pee all right folks find kyle on all the things kyle clark is rad we do believe that find old episodes of this is rad oh, um, wasn't her karate kid episode oh it's so fun that was so so and, so fun and we're so blissfully not even in we might have to do a cobra kai one as a follow-up obviously Okay, so that'll happen. Thank you folks so much for listening. Good night. 